Hi, and welcome to another great message from Noosa Church. We pray that you're impacted and inspired by this teaching. For more information and service times, check out our website at noosa.church. Enjoy. Have you not known, have you not heard, the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Father, this morning we ask that you would uphold us by your word. That we may live that we may live lives that give you glory, that give you honour and that give you praise. Lord, may our lives be a reflection of our heart's intent toward you. So we ask that you would reveal to us truth and substance and hope today so that we continue walking this journey, this journey of love for you and for our neighbour. And in the mighty name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Wasn't it beautiful listening to our elder Robin read from the read from the scriptures from the old wooden pulpit? We've we've uh, we've resurrected that used to be our pulpit thirty years ago, and uh, the great Michael Sheridan, one of our elders, has restored it for us. And he says there's no lacquer on it. There's just some oil because he says, like the word of God, we don't want to add to it. We just want it to be. We just want the truth to permeate our lives in every way. So I want to encourage you, church, receive the word of God. As you walk in and out of this church each day this year, you'll see those great words from Psalms that say, Uphold me, Lord, according to your word that I may live. Let's allow God's word to permeate every area of our lives. You know, this, you know, many, many, many thousands of years ago, um, the week before Easter was the day that, that Jesus uh, walked into Jerusalem and they laid palms down on the ground as he walked in. And, uh, you know, they, they prepared a way for the King of all kings to enter their lives. And he's called us to be those palms. He's called us to lay our lives down so that the people can meet Christ through us. God wants to do a work through you. And for him to do a work through you, he needs you to allow his word to permeate your life in every way. He needs his word to be visible to you and in you and around you in every way. And we keep, we're doing these conversations each Sunday night and, and uh, we're, we're having some great ones. Tonight, tonight's topic is on worship. Is it even possible to worship God without music anymore? And uh, we're going to discuss that. And there's actually, I believe three people have, have couldn't make it tonight, so there's actually three spots available if you want to come tonight. And uh, 
and we'd love to we'd love to have that conversation with you and and stretch ourselves in the area of worship because it's such a foundational aspect to to um to our life with God. But we've been looking at this the last few weeks that I've been speaking we've been looking at Psalm 127:1 which says unless the Lord builds the house they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city the watchman stays awake in vain. And we want to we want to be part of a community that God is the platform of. Isn't it interesting the Lord builds the house but we are still the labor. You notice that it says, unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain. He still called us to act and to, and to move and to interact and to build and to do these things, but, but it is the Lord who builds it. And as soon as we forget that, as soon as our strategy of building becomes more important than God's word, we build in vain. So I want to encourage you, let's immerse ourselves in God's word. To immerse ourselves in, in, in the call of God, in the will of God, and in, in the character of God, and allow Him to, 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 to become our goal. I quoted a, uh, last couple of weeks ago John Calvin, for all you Calvinists. Doctrine is learned only when it resides in the heart and passes into our conduct, transforming us into itself in the process. Now, doctrine is, is, Simply a belief or a set of beliefs. So our beliefs need to, need to come into our heart and transform us in the process. So the question for us today is, does your life reflect what you say you believe? Your life definitely reflects what you believe. But does it reflect what you say you believe? We all live out of our beliefs, but sometimes what we say we believe is different to what we actually believe. I believe that you're a good person. But if I don't trust you, then what I say I believe is actually not what I believe. I believe that you have the best intentions, Pastor, for this church. But if our actions don't, don't follow that, then we're, it's, it's not actually what we believe, it's what we say we believe. See, the ways of God and the word of God, I believe, must permeate our lives in every way. There's some of the things in the in scriptures we've struggled with over the years. There's many different aspects to to what God has said that we've that we've misinterpreted, that we've that we've struggled with, that we've that we've that we've spoken in a selfish manner. We've used it for our own benefit. We've done many things. You know, they say just as many atrocities have been done using the Word of God than as great things have been done. Why is that? Not because the Word of God is not God's Word, but because we tend to read the Word of God for our benefit, not for our submission. It needs to permeate our relationships, our budget, how we rest. It needs to permeate our attitude, our servitude. It needs to permeate our patience, our ambition. It needs to be permeate our fear, our faith, our hope. But this morning... I want to talk about our work. More specifically, the dignity of our work. So the question is then, does your work reflect what you believe? Not what you do, but how you do it. Does how you work reflect what you believe? 
Because here's, the, here's the, 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 the unfortunate fact for most of us, work dominates our lives. In fact, the law, I think it's in Exodus, Exodus 30, in 20, and also Exodus 34, 21 says, Six days shall you labor, but on the seventh day you shall rest. Even during the plowing season and the harvest, you must rest. We call this the law of the Sabbath, but, but it also is also the law of work. It says six days shall you work. Six days equals 80% of your days. 80% of your life, 85% of your life is work. So we need our work. It's, it's actually a number one platform in life where our beliefs are portrayed. Now, depending on where you come from, the way you read this is very different. If you're a slave and you've been in Egypt for 400 years working seven days a week, then um, only working six days a week is a gift. Beautiful, one day off. If you're from the HR department, from the government services, and you're doing one minute over 38 hours a week, double overtime. You know, you're not happy with that. Hang on, six days, isn't it? Shouldn't be five hours at 7.6 hours a day with, with uh, two 7.5-minute tea breaks and 45-minute lunch. Six days show you work. 85% of our life is work, so we need to actually have an understanding of, of how the Word of God and the ways of God and the character of God permeate us in the way we work. And I'd like to call it dignity of work. Not what you do. It's not what you do. It's how you do it. The dignity of work is not in what you do. It's in, it's in the attitude that you present and the intention that you have behind why you're doing what you're doing and how you're doing what you're doing and your attitude to the person that's receiving uh, what you're creating for them or serving them. It's interesting, one of the great mental health battles for people is unemployment. It's found in unemployment because it's, it's in our work you know, that, that, we, that our attitude and character gets to be lived out. And it's in your work that you get to stop thinking and start focusing. You ever notice that, you know, that... that you know, you know that when you're on your own, you tend to you tend to invent problems that you didn't have when you were too busy working to to invent them. This is a very real fact for for uh, when we get caught in the trap of unemployment, and we, uh, you know, those of you who have been there, who are there, will understand what I'm talking about. See, for us, so we get caught thinking that work is always attached to an income, even in retirement. Especially men struggle with this. In the, you know, we're in a new age where, where everybody works, but a lot of the retiring people right now are predominantly men because of the, because of the era that they came out of. The next season of retirement will be, will be both. But a lot of men struggle with retirement because their identity is in their work, but it's not actually in their work. It's in their job. It's in their job description. You see, when the, when the, when the, uh, the law, to the, to the Israelites said six days shall you work. It didn't say six days shall you work until you hit 65 and then, then you shall stop working. Six days shall you work has actually got nothing to do with your income, your pay job. It's actually got to do with your attitude and your engagement to life. We work six days whether we're getting paid or not. We have some 200 volunteers in this church who, who do not get uh, paid for their work, they, they are, but they are workers. And they add value and they add character and they add substance and, 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 and to, to this place and they make it what it is. And I thank every one of you for it because this community 
lives and breathes on the work that we all do together to serve one another. I love Proverbs 6 because it's, it's a good uppercut verse for me. And it says this, it says, Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no captain, overseer or ruler, provides her supplies in the summer and gathers her food in the harvest. How long will you slumber, O sluggard? Everyone say to the person next to you, hey, sluggard. Just kidding. When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, so shall your poverty come on you like a prowler and your need like an armed man. Let me say this. John Calvin, doctrine is learned only when it resides in the heart and passes into our conduct, transforming us into itself in the process. Sometimes we read scriptures and, you know, and we go, I'm caught, in, I'm caught in unemployment at the moment or, you know, or I, haven't, I haven't got, I haven't got the, the, the motivation to be working at the moment. What we need to do is we now need to read God's word, read all of God's word and allow it to permeate us. Allow it to get into our heart. Don't allow, don't, sometimes we're offended because we don't have a broad enough understanding. Sometimes we're offended because it's disrupting the status quo of my life right now. See, we, too many times we're doing a Bible search on topics that we want to hear about instead of reading the full word of God and allowing it to transform us across the board of our lives. You know you do it. We do it, don't we? We go, I need to know about this. And there's nothing wrong with doing a study, but at the same time as working on your things, the things you know you want to work on, we also need to allow God to transform us gradually. We need to hear Scripture like we did this morning. We're not trying to unpack Isaiah 40 this morning. We're not trying to, to explain every increment of it. We're trying to allow God's Word to come into our lives and to do business with our hearts and to transform us into His character and into his substance in the process. Let me ask you this question. Will you allow God's word to challenge the way you look at your experiences in the past and your strategy for the future? Sometimes you read God's word and you go, oh, I better skip that chapter because it's disrupting my current strategy for, 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 for my life. And it's also disrupting how I am interpreting the experience I had yesterday. So work is one of the it's it's one of the central aspects of humanity, isn't it? We've heard it's eighty five percent of of what we do, sometimes more, sometimes less. But let's let's roll with that. It, it it's in everything. We're about to have an elect a federal election. You know, we tend to judge governments by how low the unemployment rate is in a nation. So not only do we, you know, not only does it dominate our lives, it dominates our whole country and the way we look at our, you know, there's. There's issues are polarized, but there's that one core one that everyone agrees, isn't it great when your country has a very low unemployment rate? If everybody's working in the country, then, then you're doing okay. We ask ourselves the question, what do you do for a crust? We don't say, how do you do what you do for a crust? Do you do it with integrity? Do you do it according to God's word? 
Do you challenge do you challenge your boss when you see something that's out of line? Do you do you bring clarity to situations that that make you and your boss feel uncomfortable? I was in I went down to visit my boss in on the Gold Coast this week and uh we had a very robust and very uncomfortable conversation for a couple of hours and we were both better for it. Because sometimes we need to we need to step with this is the year of elephant recognition, remember? This is a year in our work and in our home and in our volunteer life and we need to step beyond the status quo of just keeping, maintaining, maintaining what is and step into a new place and say, I want God's word to be what comes out of my mouth. I don't want to be, I don't want to be um, upset in my heart and never have the conversation that allows me to walk through this thing and allows, and allows the people I work for to walk through this thing. Some of us only define ourselves by what we do. Some of us are so, we, you know, we, we, not only do we define ourselves by what we do, we devote ourselves to our work, to our job so much that, that we neglect the other significant areas in our lives. Others simply just see work as something to pay the bills. Some regard it as disconnected from life and especially disconnected from spiritual life. So the question on the table, church, what is dignity of work? How do we approach our work? I want to suggest to you this morning that, that our work is an opportunity to glorify God. In fact, it's an opportunity to worship God. In fact, you do more worship. Your, your worship is more reflected in your work than it is in how well you sing it as well with my soul this morning. Colossians 3.23, this, this, is, this is the one. Whatever you do, do it heartily, thoroughly, as to the Lord and not to men. Whatever you do in life, no matter what your work is, no matter whether you're volunteering, no matter whether you're getting paid for it, do it as unto the Lord, not to men. Now, worker, you know, the Bible also talks, talks about a worker is worthy of his pay or her pay. However, this scripture is not talking about pay. Pay is, you know, you do, if you do enough for the pay, then, then that's, you know, that's one level. But, but God, don't, don't you notice how, how God always takes it to another level? He takes everything to another level. He says, even his plans for you, you know, he, he's, you know they're exceedingly abundantly above anything you could ever ask or hope for. So then he's saying, well, if that's my attitude towards you, what's your attitude towards your work? Is it exceedingly abundantly above anything whoever you're working for could ask for or dream of? Heartily, with all your heart, thoroughly, as to the Lord. I think we we get caught you know, working for our pay or working for our balance sheet. And God's saying, will you work for me? The dignity that is in your work is when you work unto the Lord. The dignity is seen 
when you work unto the Lord. And it's visible to those around you because the attitude and the character of God and the fruit of the Spirit is evident in the way that you do it. Let me say this to you. Dignity of work happens anytime we take something natural or neutral or something material and we make something out of it simply for the sake of giving glory to God. We take anything natural or neutral or material. And when we commit ourselves, you know, to dedicating it to, to giving God glory, we add dignity to our work. Work's not something I do only to get something. It's good for me because it's how I show my love for God and it's how I show my love for my neighbour. You know, the, we, we, you're usually hired or you, you know, because, or someone usually employs your business, you know, um, because of your, what you've done, something practical that you've done, or some information or knowledge that you know. But we're usually promoted, not because of, or, you know, we're not, not, we're not necessarily promoted because of what we've done or what we know. We're promoted generally because of how we've done it and how we've communicated it. You know, when someone's full of knowledge, when they have a chat to you, you always feel stupid after the conversation because that's someone who's got a great wealth of knowledge but they're not delivering that knowledge via the fruit of the Spirit. They're not delivering it to you with patience, with kindness, with goodness, with self-control. They're demanding that you live up to their, to their knowledge or, or look up to them in their knowledge. This is why we created these conversations because we, we want a church that has a safe place to, to learn how to talk to each other and interact in a way that we, can, that, we can, that, we, that we can do it with honor and do it with respect and do it with love. One of the most powerful works of life is found in your conversations, the way you talk to each other. Sometimes, sometimes the dignity of God is in you asking for forgiveness because you didn't do it. My beautiful wife this week uh, picked up my shorts, threw them in the wash, had the key to the car and in, the, uh, in the pocket and uh, fried the key. And uh, as you do from time to time. And the amazing thing was this is the second time that, that had happened. So my spare key was obviously fried as well. And, and you know, in my beautiful passive-aggressive um, manner, uh, I said very little, but it was very uh, clear what I was thinking. <laughs> and you know, we we got we rang up the we rang up Cricks, and it was eleven hundred dollars for two new keys, and we had to get the car towed from Perigian to to um, to Noosa. And uh, and I, my assumption is that Kristen felt bad enough when she'd done it, but my there she is. Let's welcome her. <laughs> My passive-aggressive approach to the situation probably uh, reminded her, you know, in a manner that um, wasn't as uh, as uh, fruit of the spirit as you would like. Um, Yes, we've got to. We, I don't. Everybody, just calm down. Um, So, you know, at some point in the morning, I I had to repent. 
and I uh, sent her a message and apologized to her, and uh, she graciously forgave me. And then wasn't long after that, that that we managed to dry the key out, and it came back to life. And uh, so, so there you go. You see, we need to we we need to understand that the majority of our work is in communication. You can be the most amazing artist, the most amazing mechanic, the most amazing um, at many different things. But if you don't if you don't communicate what you're doing and how you're doing it, if you don't have a, a you know a, a bedside manner that is that is um, that is respectful, then uh, your client list is going to reduce. You know, there's, and and I just want to encourage you this morning your your dignity of work. You know it's it adds value to everything. You know, I, I've, I've, done a, I've got a, a friend who's done a lot of study on, on employment in Switzerland. And in Switzerland, everything is a, a career. You know, we don't, you don't become a barista while you're studying at university to, to become something else in, in Switzerland. You are, you are a career barista. And when you make that coffee, you're making it for life. And you go over there and you see 70-year-old baristas. You don't see 70-year-old baristas in Australia very often, do you? You see mainly dreadlock tattooed, you know, someone, you know, and there's a crate there. Just give me a coffee and a comfortable seat. I'll be a happy man. But they, 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 they see things differently because they have a dignity of work attached to not so much what the job is, but the, but the intention around any work that they do. And I think there's a challenge in that for us this morning. Now, Proverbs 18, 16 says this, as a man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. So your gift will make room for you. It'll actually present you. It'll, it'll, it'll open doors for you. But your character and the substance of heaven and the goodness of God and, the, and, the, and your ability to repent or ask for forgiveness quickly, you know, those, or, you know, or, or offer truthfulness you know, in a manner that's helpful is what keeps you. I think we forget sometimes because so much public praise gets given to the gift, but private praise and, and promotion gets given to the character and the attitude, to the dignity of work. I believe for us as a church, we're actually in a day where we, we need to rethink our relationship to work. Do our lives reflect, does our work reflect what we say we believe? I think in times to come, you know, we're going to, some doors are going to be shut to us or we're going to be shown the door because of what we believe. Others' doors will never open. I find when I'm having a conversation, it's very difficult because we're in a what do you do sort of, um, what do you do for a living culture. As soon as I tell someone I'm a pastor, the the wall goes up straight away. Or they tell me every problem they've ever had in their whole life. One of, one of the two, and I never know which one it's going to be. I think, I think what we believe when it comes into, into the way we live our life and when it comes into the dignity of our work, you know, it, it's going to change things for the church in a new way. It's going to cost us money, potentially. It's going to cost us some prestige. Sometimes it's actually going to cost us uh, the dream job that we've always wanted. 
It's going to stop you buying a share in a company because you don't believe in the, in the moral stance of that company. Jesus is coming back for a spotless bride, church. It's time we showed some heavenly dignity in our work, in our conversations. And we know, you know, the Bible says we prophesy in part, we speak, in, we act in part because we're, we're even though we're, we are fully saved, we're still fully, you know, we're still fully stuck in these um, very, uh, very hungry, flesh-desiring bodies. So we get caught, we get frustrated, we get hungry, we get thirsty, we get, we get you know, lustful for buying things. We get our heart set on material things instead of on kingdom things. The Bible says we're called to love the Lord with all our heart, soul and strength. We're called to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. And our work is the main way we show love to God. And we show love to our neighbor. And in that sense, your work, the way you work, will transform your life more than just about any other thing. If you, if your work is humbled by your attitude and by the word of the Lord, if you're saying, when you walk into work in the morning, you say, uphold me, Lord, according to your word that I may live then you're going to get transformed at work. And here's the other thing that's going to happen. You are going to be prayerful about your work. When you, give, when you work unto the Lord, then you're, I guarantee you you're going to seek the Lord's assistance in the way that you do it. Will you allow the hope of God, church, to permeate your whole world? It's a difficult it's very easy for me to say that. It's very difficult for us to live that. And I understand it. I say it humbly because, you know, I walk the journey. I, you know, I walk the, the failing journey and successful journey every day, like we all do. We know that nothing great is possible without God. So we pray those great words. We pray those great words, uphold us, Lord, by your word that we may live. And even in our vision this year, we pray, we see, Lord, what is not possible to us by nature, we ask, Lord, to supply by the help of your grace. And we read those amazing words from, from Isaiah 40 this morning. That, you know, he never, he's the, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary. His understanding is unsearchable. This is what he will do for you. When you submit your life to him, when you pray, Lord, uphold me according to your word, he gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, one, of my, one of my books I've read too many times now is you know, is the imitation of Christ by Thomas Akempis, and uh, this, this scripture, this this scripture, this quote of, that he, that he says along it, and uh, and uh, it says this: it says, "Let the temporal things be in the use; let the eternal things be in the desire. Let the temporal things be in the use, and the eternal things be in the desire." 
When we allow material things to become more than simply useful, we diminish the eternal things and the greater story that God has in our lives. When our life is, when our life's desires are simply attached to material things, what's eternal? Let's get it. Let's figure that out. What's what's eternal is relationship. Relationship is eternal. So if you're, you know, Kristen and I, we're, we're we, you know, we, we're we're hoping to build a house one day in the next, you know, five to ten years. If we ever get some plans from our designer, well, if our desire is for bricks and mortar, then we'll just have a big empty house. But if we understand, if we design our house, and we have, we've designed our house for relationship. We've designed it for for the ability to be hospitable, for the ability to host things. We designed our last house the same. And I remember when Kristen turned 30 years old and I was I was unprepared for it. I invited you all to come to a party because I was unorganized. And we had 130 people at our house jammed in, and we had the, one of the great parties. We had a bring and share which was brilliant, just ask Greg Miller who had violent um, you know, food poisoning from something that one of you made. And, uh, we make our own food now. And, but let the temporal things be in the use. This, I, the dignity of work, is, I believe, is found in this, in this amazing statement from this amazing man of God. Let the temporal things, let the, let the practical, physical things be in the use. doesn't mean they're not great. But let the spiritual things be in the desire. Relationship with God. Loving God with all your heart, mind, soul and strength and loving your neighbour as yourself. Loving your neighbour as as much as you love yourself. It's a little bit difficult, isn't it? So we must allow the word of God to reside in our heart, pass into our conduct and transform it Transform us into itself in the process. Here's a question for you, church. Will you trust God beyond your understanding? Will you trust God beyond your understanding? When we don't understand something in the scriptures, it's very difficult for us in this modern era to trust. To trust. Submitting to something we don't understand is very difficult. Very difficult. But isn't it a great way to counteract that desire that we have for independence? I have a natural desire for independence and I know I'm not alone because it's the biggest epidemic in this society. It's interesting we have, a, we have this epidemic of, of um, independence. You know what the number one problem is in society at the moment? Loneliness. Pastor James, who was here last, last Sunday, has actually released a document, a documentary last Sunday night on loneliness. It goes for about 30 minutes, so he's going to give us a copy of it soon so we can, we can uh, let you have a look at it. Because loneliness is dominating the space because we've allowed the temporal things to get into the desire instead of just simply in the use. Let me end by saying this. Holding beliefs in your mind does you little good. 
if your heart, which is the beginning of your own will, remains unmoved. See, we, we say we believe a lot of things. Remember I said at the beginning, does your life reflect what you say you believe? We say we believe a lot of things, but our actions tend to tell a different story. I want to leave you with the, the, the scripture that is on the wall. You know, when, when, we, when we create a vision for the year, it takes us some five months to do it. And it's very, 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 um, it's a full process. So when we come up with a scripture like, Uphold me, Lord, according to your word that I may live. We're not saying those words lightly. We're asking you to trust them deeply. In fact, we're not asking you to trust what we say. We're asking you to pray that prayer and say, Lord, uphold me according to your word that I may live. Pray it. Know it. And it will serve you well. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Father, I thank you for every heart that is present in your house this morning. Before you, Lord, we're humbled by our own inadequacy, Lord. We're humbled by our own mistakes, but we are in awe of your capacity. We're in awe of your grace. We're in awe that you are the healer, the deliverer, the saviour. You are the hope, Father. We're in awe that, that your mercy is fresh just this morning. And Lord, we ask that you would help us to see a new dignity in our work. We ask, Father, that you would open our eyes to a new level of understanding that we may walk this journey of hope. Lord, that our lives may display and reflect what we say we believe. What we say we believe, Lord, may it come into our hearts. May it influence our actions and transform us into into you and your ways in the process. Lord, as we gaze upon you as in a mirror, Lord, may we reflect your glory to this world that we live in. Lord, every person here, Father, just bless them, strengthen them, encourage them. Lord, give them fresh hope. Lord, give them eyes to see new things, new hope, Lord. Lord, we ask that you would bless this house, not for ourselves, Lord, but so that we can be a blessing to a world that desperately needs you. We give you glory, we give you praise, and we give you honour. And Father, we submit to you our little church. And we say, Father, build our church. Lord, as we labour, Lord, we are never far from the thought that you are the builder and we are the labourer. And we commit our lives and our relationships and our desires to you in the mighty name of Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this teaching that you've been encouraged and challenged. To stay up to date with our latest messages, you can subscribe to our podcast. For more information, resource or service times, please check out our website at noosa.church. We pray. Amen.